1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Our guests today have a brand new book out that I am crazy about. It's called Sustainability Made Simple Small Changes for Big Impact. And literally, this is the book that I have been waiting for for at least 15 years. It is so user friendly. Anybody who picks it up will be able to understand not only what sustainability is, what the big issues that we're facing in the 21st century will be and the impact that they'll have on us, but most importantly, things that we can do in our everyday life that are either free or they cost Less than the more environmentally destructive options. They are really great suggestions. I love this book. The authors are Rosalie Bird and Loren DeMates. And I am so thrilled to have you on the show, ladies. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, let's begin with Rosalie. Um, you know, there are a lot of environmentalists, so we have them on our show all the time, and they focus their work on public policy um, and what the government can do and what we should support and what we should oppose public policy wise. And they tend to get the lion's share of the media attention. And it's not that that's a bad way to focus, but I get concerned sometimes that that might give everyday people the impression that the big issues of sustainability are out of their hands and that government policy is our only way out of the mess that we're in, but your book focuses on things that everyday people can do in their daily lives to be part of the solution. You and Loren certainly have the educational background to write a book addressing public policymakers, but why did you choose to write a book that's focused on what the average person can do?
2: Well, Joe, that's a great question, and it's exactly this perspective that we wish to change and kind of bring some more attention to with our book. Ultimately, policymakers won't make the changes unless the public wants it, and even then, they might not do what's right for the public. So ultimately, it is up to individuals to do what we can do, which is actually a lot, even though sometimes it might not seem like it is. We as individuals, we're the only ones that can change the flawed system that's evolved, that ends up with these environmentally destructive activities. So our idea is to guide individuals in making this change and being more conscious and mindful of our actions on the environment. And we also want to share the inspiring stories initiatives that are already taking place all over the U.S. So in this way, we want to bridge the disconnect that the average person might not really have an idea about the research that's being done or those different types of stories and initiatives that are also being done in the U.S. So we wish to communicate with individuals About what they can and what individuals already are are doing about sustainability, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and pessimistic if there's no instruction on how to change things. So that's also something we would kind why we bring this book is to make it a lot more easy. And as the title says, simple to address.
1: Well, and I love the way that you did that, Rosalie, because you guys have it broken up into chapters that address, you know, what the issues are, and you make that all clear. But then you go through, you know, various components of our lives, like our kitchen, uh, you know, our, our transportation, our our you know, holiday parties, and we're going to get to some of those tips, but the way that you break it out, it's like uh, the way that we bucket our lives uh, when we're at work, when we're at home, and it's so smart. Loren, the book begins with a really powerful opening salvo. It says, in the past 50 years, we have altered our environment more than in the previous thousands of years of human history. Talk to our listeners about some of the ways in which we've altered our environment.
3: Yes, definitely. Um, we've seen incredible growth in population, oil consumption, levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and conversion of natural green space, um, all of which have environmental impacts. Uh, we have also gone through so many technological and cultural shifts that have altered how we interact with each other and then also with the environment. Uh, we really think that we're in one of those shifts right now um, where we're realizing impacts of the way things have been done. Um, Which hasn't been ideal, and then also the role of government, companies, nonprofits, and then also individuals in making sure the
1: environment is
3: around for future generations to enjoy.
1: Absolutely. Now, Rosalie, the word sustainability has been used so much that its definition has become a little bit nebulous and somewhat Mm -hmm. meaningless, I think, to a lot of Americans. And you guys do a wonderful job of giving the term really tangible relevance, help our listeners understand how you define and how we can act on a term as broad as sustainability.
2: Right. And that's exactly, as, as you said, exactly why we came up with this book, because there are so many different polarized ideas of what sustainability is. And although it might seem like a really complex issue, actionable sustainability and incorporating sustainability into our life is actually really easy and um, it's basically minimizing the stress that we put on the environment through reducing some of our habits or some of our our consuming patterns and addressing big-scale environmental issues like deforestation and climate change, water pollution, and it's also an opportunity to transform our lives and society for the better. This is something I really want to highlight because a lot of times we have this idea that sustainability is something that is going to be taking a lot of time, taking a lot of money, a lot of energy, and that it's actually not going to be doing something good for our lives right now in the short term. And this is something that we want to highlight and tell all the audience that this isn't true. that sustainability will be able to benefit your family, your home, your community now. And so we, we would like to, to uh, highlight that this is something that um, is a, a really great part about being sustainable. Also, we would like to talk about how sustainability is being able to sustain these activities in your home. This means finding habits that minimize the impact that we have on our environment, but also that we can keep in our lives and make as habits and routines that last for a long time, not just something that's around for one week and then it's too hard to keep, so then we end up ditching that tip or that habit, something that we can keep into our lives and make sure that they stay and make an impact on the environment.
1: That's well said, Rosalie, and I think... It- Kind of what it reminds me of is the difference between a fad diet and a sustainable way of eating for a lifetime of of health and fitness. You know what you right. guys are suggesting is not you know something that deprives individuals of you know comfort and um, in an enjoyable life and a good standard of living. What you guys are recommending actually has some immediate benefits like cost savings easiness, simplicity, I mean, it's really not um, a strain to do what you guys are talking about. And we're going to get into some of those specific tips in a little bit, but you nailed it. Uh, you really you really <clears> did. Um, Loren, this book does a great job, I think, of addressing anyone who might think about sustainability and wonder, ah, what's in it for me? You know, what do I get out of this? So I'd love for you to talk to us about the notion of ecosystem services, Sure, yeah. Um, A key part of sustainability
3: is recognizing all these benefits that the environment provides us um, and wanting to continue enjoying these benefits in the future. So, in general, these benefits are called ecosystem services, um, and this encompasses natural resources and processes um, that our economies and our lives rely on every day, um, such as food, water purification, protection from natural disasters, um, natural medicines, a sense of place that we enjoy. Um, these are all ecosystem services. Uh, unfortunately, these benefits have not been factored into the price that we see for goods and services. Um, so we're actually incentivized to make unsustainable um, decisions uh, because they seem cheaper, um, but they really aren't. Um, so a big part of sustainability is realizing these benefits um, and then pricing them accordingly, and just doing everything that we can to make sure um, that we can enjoy them in the long term.
1: And you know what I really like about that, Lauren, is that, you know, even if you have people who are not necessarily, you know, big animal rights advocates advocates or people who are hardcore environmentalists, if you just are talking to people who are, you know, interested in the human benefit of sustainability, you've addressed that. So you really reach, I think, with this book, a very broad range of readers. And I think this is something that You know, people, whether they believe in climate change or they don't, or whether they're, you know, really green or not so much, they're going to feel comfortable and feel very um, at ease with the way that you've presented this. So, I really love the respect that you've shown for the broad spectrum of people who are, you know, who may be coming to the table of sustainability from different perspectives. Now, Rosalie, before we dive into some of the very practical tips that your book outlines for your readers, I want to talk about the big issues. I love the way that you guys wrote chapter two of the book. You did an amazing job of outlining the challenges that we're facing as a result of environmental degradation and how that will impact human beings. So let's start with air pollution. Talk to us about the impact that air pollution has on living things. Right. Well, air pollution is a tricky one
2: because a lot of times, besides the smog that you can see in cities often, it's something that you don't see. Like in water pollution, maybe you can see that the water might be a little contaminated. With deforestation, you can see that the the trees have been cut down. Air pollution, when it's not smog, it's pretty tricky to know that it's there, And so it's very difficult as well to know that there's an impact on our lives, but there is. Air pollution is really related to our health. Respiratory diseases like asthma and even lung cancer and other types of diseases are a direct result of air pollution often. And that's not just in places that we might be associated with air pollution, as, you know, in Beijing, China, or in India. That even happens in the U.S. And I think it's something that not, not a lot of people realize, but we there are a lot of people all over the U.S. that are affected by air pollution every day. And besides just those health benefits for humans, it's also talking about, Loss of work. A lot of times when people get sick due to the type of air pollution, what they're inhaling every day, they're not, they're not able to go to work. And this results in loss of productivity, economic loss, healthcare costs. So it's also talking about some of those economic aspects of stuff really consider and in, in, in incorporate with the environmental uh, health of the planet. So I would say that one of the two main things, if we we're talking about human every day, it would be human health um, and these t- to these type of diseases that, that are a uh, cause of health of air pollution, but also the economic losses that, in the end, we are affected by.
1: Well, and, you know, I think... People are beginning to understand this. We've talked about this on Go Green Radio before, but it's not just about outdoor air pollution. Indoor air pollution is also very harmful, and there's a whole, you know, way of dealing with that that you address in the book in a, in a few different ways. We're going to be taking mm-hmm. a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Rosalie and Lauren and their brand new book called Sustainability Made Simple. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: News. Opinions. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%?
1: glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Rosalie Bird and Loren DeMates, and they have a brand new book out that I really want you guys to check out because it is amazing. It's called Sustainability Made Simple, Small Changes for Big Impact. And as I said during the last segment, this is the book I have been waiting for for at least 15 years since I've been in this industry. And I think they have done an outstanding job of bringing the issues write to the reader um, in a way that is, it's not your typical guilt trip. It's not, you know, uh, heavy handed. It's very pragmatic and very um, accessible. I just love it. So before we went to commercial break, uh, we were talking about the ways that um, environmental degradation impacts human beings i mean we're talking to folks who you know want to know what's in it for me so if i do these things i take these tips on board and i I participate in sustainability um, what's in it for me loren i would like for you to talk to us about the impact that water pollution has on humans and also on other living things and your the chapter on that talks about everything from human health all the way to recreation and tourism so give us some thoughts on that
3: Okay, I'll just touch on the, the main points. Um, the first one is that swimming in water contaminated with chemicals, runoff, um, can increase the risk for respiratory disease and gastrointestinal illness. Um, that's definitely something that we see. And then there's also cases like um, lead-contaminated drinking water in Flint, Michigan. And unfortunately, these cases um, are way too common. It's not just Flint. It's all over the U.S. Um, and unfortunately, they don't have quick fixes. Um, so there is direct health impacts for water pollution, especially um, water pollution when we see it in drinking water. Um, that's definitely straightforward and something we want to avoid. Um, the, also, plants and animals are damaged and die from water contaminated with pesticides, plastics, and oil spills, um, but it's not only plants and animals. Um, this in turn hurts local people and economies who depend on fishing and tourism. Uh, the bottom line, no matter what, um, we just think water pollution is just that water pollution is bad. Uh, we don't think anyone really wants our oceans, lakes, or rivers to be contaminated. So it's something that we definitely want to address.
1: Absolutely. And we're going to get to some tips to help address that in a little bit. But first, Rosalie, you guys talk about deforestation. And honestly, that's not a topic that gets a lot of headlines. Every once in a while, you'll see a story about it in mainstream media. But the fact is, deforestation has a huge impact. Talk to our listeners about the upshot of deforestation. Right. So
2: deforestation is an interesting one because, as you say, we don't think about it. But a lot of our products that we consume actually has might have some type of uh, responsibility for deforestation, deforestation, which is actually quite alarming. Um, a lot of times, deforestation happens for to, to uh, convert forests into cropland to produce our food and to produce other ingredients that are in our food. This can mean soy. Uh, a big one is palm oil. It can mean uh, converting land to to raise cows for for beef. But um I'd like to just talk about the palm oil for for real quickly because I think it's an interesting one that is in all of our products, from our personal care to our ice cream, to our chips. There's palm oil in so many of the products that we that we consume every day. And palm oil is actually a, a, one of the main causes of deforestation in Malaysia and in Indonesia. So it's uh, a double-edged sword to think about, well, these products are something that we, we are part of our life, but if they're resulting in these issues, because deforestation does not just affect, you know, the, the local habitat of animals, obviously biodiversity, flora and fauna is very important, but it also affects our, the water. It's, uh, forests provide a way to purify water, also a way to retain water in the soil. So there's a lot of effects that we don't really think about the connections in between them, but I think deforestation is a, a really large one that affects people no matter where they are, and um, something that I think that we, as we'll talk later on in the in the um, in the interview, that we can talk about how these there's really some concrete ways to make sure that we're not uh, contributing to this problem.
1: Yep, I mean here's just a little one in my own life. Um, I shop at. Safeway grocery store. That's the one that's in my town. Their store brand of um, toilet paper is not just FSC certified, but it's also Rainforest Alliance certified. And so there you go. That's one little thing. But we're going to talk some more about Great. ways to do that. But, Lauren, you're going to get the big question, climate change. Um, this issue for many people is so overwhelming. It's so big. But Chapter 2 in your book does an incredible job of outlining specific impacts of climate change. Walk us through some of those impacts, would you? Definitely. I wanted to first mention um, not only the other impacts of deforestation,
3: but deforestation is also a main driver um, of climate change due to greenhouse gas emissions emitted when trees are cut down. Um, so There's also that connection as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in general, climate change, the impact that we're going to see and are already seeing really vary by location. It's not one-size-fits-all. Um, and all these impacts are unraveling as we speak. New research is coming out all the time. Um, um, so it's definitely an evolving field. Um, so we don't definitely have all the answers, um, but there's already so many impacts, um, just to highlight. Um, the first one is that climate change equals global warming. Um, we continue to break records for hottest year on record, hottest month on record. And this increase in temperature is the major cause of a lot of the other um, impacts that we associate with climate change and we think are coming down the line. Um, One of those is sea level rise, um, so due to melting glaciers. Um, This also can displace people living in coastal areas. And um, oceans are acidifying as well. That has all sorts of negative impacts. Uh, Climate change also means extreme weather, such as hurricanes, tropical storms, monsoons and drought, um, which is then related to wildfires, um, water scarcity, conflict, and then also increases in food prices. Um, And then it gets really serious because um, climate change, especially the increase in food prices, is expected to exacerbate poverty um, because the poor are the most vulnerable to volatile food prices um, also natural disasters and, also, and tropical diseases, um, such as malaria, which are all expected to get worse. Um, mm-hmm. Very serious situation. Um, another point I'd like to mention is that there's research coming out saying that climate change also has impacts um, on human psychological health, um, as well as bringing anxiety and depression. We're definitely entering um, a whole new era, um, and in general, climate change is complex, um, but the bottom line is that it translates into economic loss as well as many unfortunate changes to the places that we thought would always be the same um, and maybe took for granted.
1: Hmm. Yeah, actually, last week on Go Green Radio, we talked about a new film uh, that just aired this week on PBS that showed Yosemite, I mean, one of the most grand places on earth in terms of you know the geology i mean it's just a a tough resilient place but it showed the impact that climate change is having on the ecosystem there and um boy that really brought it into clear view um how you know climate change is impacting areas and and landscapes that have been stable for (laughs) thousands of years Mm -hmm. rosalie I think it's incredibly important for us to talk about some of the leading causes of the environmental challenges that we face, because you cover that in the book and it kind of gives us the, okay, this is the environmental degradation, but what's causing it. And hence that will lead us into some of the tips that you give for how that we can, um, you know, that we can address that as individuals. So I'd like to do maybe four or five, of those uh, leading causes with you. I'll mention them one by one. If you could give us a little bit of information on each one, that'd be great. So talk to us about electrical power generation. How has that caused some of the environmental challenges?
2: This is one that we obviously deal with every day. It's our electricity. It's to power our our devices at our house, to turn our... And unfortunately... With the type of fuels that we use and sources of fuels that we use, it results in air pollution and also climate change. Uh, A big one is coal-fired coal power plants are the most harmful to human health, but they're also the the one that contributes the most to climate change because they're so carbon-intensive. Coal Mm -hmm. is also very water-intensive as well, so it's something that a lot of people don't really consider when it comes to coal-fired power plants. But all in all, there are so many different reasons that uh, this type of electricity is actually very uh, destructive to the environment.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about transportation?
2: Well, transportation, obviously our passenger cars are also run on fossil fuels, on gasoline, on oil. Um, so this results in uh, climate, in greenhouse gas emissions, which can p- contribute to climate change, but also it uh, produces, it. It emits these type of different gases that are also the uh, the causes of the smog and the ozone that we see in those places in those cities with that little haze that you might see. Those are also uh, a lot of times caused by, by passenger car vehicles and, and other types of transportation. But um, another one is is flying airplanes, which is also fossil fuel-based and uh, contributes to climate change as well through the emission of, of uh, greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Now, how do chemical and manufacturing um, industrial operations contribute to some of the environmental challenges that we're facing?
2: Well, these chemical and manufacturing, these industry, industries basically supply us everything that we purchase and consume. Um, if you think plastic, if you think cement, if you think steel, these industries are what produce these type of goods that we, that we use on a daily basis. And they also result in lots of uh, emissions th- th- through air pollution and also water pollution. There's been instances where chemical plants have discharged wa- wastewater into local waterways, making the water unable to, to in- undrinkable. So um, this is also an aspect of uh, this type of industry that's really not just air pollution, but also water pollution.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now. I also want to ask you one more um, agriculture. A lot of people don't realize what an impact the agricultural industry has on environmental degradation. Talk us, talk to us about that.
2: Definitely, I think it is also something that I, we would like to highlight, and we, we stress in the book because it's something that no one thinks about, and no one talks about either. But it's our food, the food that we eat every day. Uh, it comes from these type of plantations, crops. So a lot of times, like we mentioned, it could be uh, the conversion of forests or other type of land to agricultural lands and crops, uh, cropland, and this, will, this can result in deforestation like we mentioned before. But also with pesticide use and synthetic fertilizers, these type of chemicals can enter waterways and create dead zones in these waterways through a process called eutrophication. This is uh, the nitrogen that enters the water and actually kills off oxygen, which also kills a lot of marine life. So I think that the runoff is also an interesting aspect to um, agriculture that I don't know if a lot of people know about, but that's something that is something to keep in mind.
1: It Um, is. It's something really
2: important. Yes. Agriculture is also, one last thing real quick, is uh, the... The enteric uh, enteric fermentation, which is basically from the livestock that we also raise, um, the methane that they emit through burps. <laughs> Funny to say, but um, they actually yep. emit methane, which contributes to climate change too. So, not only the the crops, but also the livestock.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about with Rosalie and Loren and their new book, Sustainability Made Simple. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. I just want to give you all a quick reminder that Go Green Radio is just one part of a larger organization. Um, it's called the Go Green Initiative. It's a nonprofit organization that I founded back in 2002. And guess what? It's the largest environmental education program globally. We work with schools in all 50 US states and in 73 countries around the world. And we're helping them do two things. First of all, conserve natural resources for future generations. And secondly, protect kids' health from environmental pollutants. If you'd like to get involved, check out our website at www.gogreeninitiative.org, and you can get involved. We've got a lot of things going on. would love to have you be a part of that. In case you're just tuning in, our guests today are Rosalie Bird and Loren Mates with their new book, Sustainability Made Simple. This book is golden i absolutely love it and i highly recommend it and in fact it's very easy to find if you want to open a new tab in your web browser and just google sustainability made simple you can find ways to get this book in your hands and i recommend that you do before we went to break we were talking about some of the leading causes of the environmental challenges that we face and Lauren, there are a few that i'd like to ask you to touch on the first one is mining and drilling
3: Definitely. So, mining and drilling for metals, minerals, and fossil fuels um, make up the energy that we use and the things that we buy every day, Um, but unfortunately, they contribute to all the major environmental problems um, that we were discussing before. So, water pollution, air pollution, deforestation, climate change, Uh, similar to manufacturing and industry, um, basically a catch-all.
1: Well, and, you know, one of the things about mining, too, I've mentioned this before on Go Green Radio, but my father was a coal miner. And besides mm-hmm. the impact, you know, to air and, and water pollution, you know, for all of us when we burn coal, there's a human health impact to the coal miners themselves. Um, black lung disease mm-hmm. is just one. Of course, when uh, mines cave in, that's a disaster. But, you know, sometimes it's good for us to think about the the workers involved in some of these as well and their health and safety. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Loren, talk to us about the environmental challenges that are being caused by things like refrigerants, propellants in aerosol applications, and solvents. Uh, so these are
3: compressed gases used in products that keep air conditioners um, and refrigerators cold, uh, as well as aerosol cans, so uh, spray paint, hairspray, shaving cream cans, and um, So these actually turned out to be sources of air pollutants and had a big role in depleting the ozone layer. Um, A good thing is that the international community was able to come together in the late 1980s and start phasing out the use of CFCs, um, one of these air pollutants, um, through an agreement called the Montreal Protocol. Um, But ironically enough, the use of CFCs and aerosols and coolants was substituted um, with another pollutant, Um, called HFCs, which was later found out to be one of the most
1: potent greenhouse gas emissions. Um, So it's definitely something we're still working on. Wow. Solve one problem, cause another. Unbelievable. Now, what about the, uh, the environmental challenges that are caused by waste? Talk to us about that. Uh, So most of our waste does end
3: up in landfills, unfortunately, and uh, landfills emit um, methane and then they can also contaminate um, drinking water um, through aquifers um, when they leak into aquifers. Um, It's an important issue in the U.S. in particular because the U.S. generates the most waste out of any country in the world.
1: Wow. Wow. And yeah, you know, I mean, we've talked about leachate, you know, which is the stuff that oozes out of, you know, landfills sometimes when their barriers underneath the landfill are not adequate to keep the leachate from, to, from getting into the aquifers. And so that's a good point. What about stormwater? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about stormwater being a cause of environmental challenges, but talk to us about how that's so.
3: Definitely. So when it rains, um, motor oil, detergent from car washing, pesticides, fertilizers, um, basically everything washes into storm drains and ultimately gets discharged into our waterways, causing water pollution.
1: Mm-hmm. And people think, well, we've got wastewater treatment plants. Can't they just scrub it out for us? But can they? I mean, what's the situation there?
3: Um, unfortunately, um, some stuff does get cleaned out, but most
1: everything ends up um, in our waterways. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. when it's when it goes way out it around to. Uh, it. Yep, absolutely. I want to move on now to some of the awesome tips that you guys have identified as. Ways that we can all get involved in the solution to these problems. So, Rosalie, let's dive into some of the solutions that your book offers for the individual who wants to join the cause. Um, You mentioned that what we purchase and consume have a huge impact. So, talk to us about the best ways to identify products that are sustainable. Well, it can be tricky to interpret product labels and identify <laughs>
2: products that are sustainable, but we, we rely on some great apps and great websites to help us out. Uh, one of them is Good Guide. Another is Environmental Working Group, EWG. They have great sites that provide a lot of information about what is actually in the products that you use. And Jill, I'm sure that you know that a lot of the products that say natural aren't always really natural. Mm-hmm. They're not all that good for the environment, but um, I would try to say don't let these products fool you. Do a little research to find out. Looking at these different websites, and when it comes to other food that other products like food products that we eat, to look for organic, fair trade, rainforest alliance, as you had mentioned earlier. These type of certifications allow us to get a better idea of what is actually involved in the production of these of these food products, and to know that we're not contributing to these environmental uh, degradation. Mm
1: -hmm. And I love the chart that's in the book. You give a really great chart of some of the... um trustworthy uh, third-party labels that we can look for for products that are have been evaluated for their sustainability, whether it's the food content or packaging or process, and, and that you give a, a really easy-to-understand chart. That was great. And, Loren, the tips that you have in the book for household chores are just golden. I love that part. Um, you did a great job of outlining some easy, cost-saving tips and then explaining in very simple terms why these actions matter. So I'd love for you to give our listeners a few tips for waste disposal and laundry, which are chores that I'm groaning thinking about it, but we do every week and sometimes daily. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Definitely. Yes. In general, there's so many ways um, to be more sustainable and address the big issues that we were just discussing. Uh, when it comes to waste disposal and laundry, I would want to mention um, the first thing is finding out what's recyclable in your area. Um, Because what's accepted and the logistics um, are really dependent on the type of technology and infrastructure um, for recycling that's in place in your city. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It really depends where you live, um, how things are collected, and how they process them. And then just learning how it's done and disposing of your waste accordingly. Um, Recycling sounds simple. We've heard about it for a long time in our life, um, but it's also really important. And I think um, just an opportunity to do things um, better Mm -hmm. and just be a little bit more informed. Um, The second thing I'd want to mention is reducing the amount of plastic bags. Um, that people use and um, also reusing them is a great option um, to keep them out of the landfill. Um, this goes for trash bags, ziplock um, bags, etc. I think keeping any kind of waste and also specifically plastic out of the landfill and using less um, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically for laundry. It's all about using cold water instead of warm water and hanging close to dry rather than using the dryer, um, which reduces energy use. And then also using a detergent without harmful chemicals. Uh, The websites and apps that Rosalie mentioned earlier um, can help find a good detergent, and there's so many options.
1: There really are, and and in all price ranges, too, which is nice. This isn't just Mm -hmm. something that, you know, is out of reach for folks on a budget, which is most of us, Um, and your book does a great job of giving some resources for that. Rosalie, let's talk about some of the tips that you have for the kitchen and the dinner table. Specifically, I'd love to hear some tips about sustainable meal choices and kitchen materials that we should minimize.
2: Right. Well, let's start with meat. Because I know that's something that's a big part of uh, diets in the U.S., but it's also, as I mentioned, a big culprit in terms of water intensity, but also in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and even sometimes deforestation. So if you can just cut down on how much meat you eat every week, it's already so helpful. Um, Eating seasonally is also a great one. Make sure that you're purchasing products that are produced in the season there's a lot of different resources where you can see which type of vegetables and fruits are in season to to choose these ones appropriately. Because if you're if you're eating other season other vegetables or fruit that might not be in season, they also might be coming from far away. This yeah. also uh, is a lot of emissions in relation to transportation, but also they don't all even taste as good either because a lot of times they're picked when they're not ripe yet, and then there's a lot of different products that are put on them to make sure that they're, they're still good and by the time that they reach you. So even eating seasonally is a is a good way to, to even eat better and healthier and more delicious foods. Um, this mm-hmm. is also related to eating local products. Um similarly with eating in-season products and vegetables, local products will help you in making sure that you're eating the stuff that is going to be in season. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
2: I would say also a big one is the best by dates on the food. Best by, sell by, eat by. Um, Those ones are very tricky and that sometimes they really like to fool us, but they're really arbitrary dates, in fact. And I don't think that it's it's something that we we see automatically and we're like, oh, this has gone bad. Yesterday, I can't eat this anymore. But in reality, it's, as I said, it's arbitrary. And I think you should trust your instincts a little more before throwing out that yogurt that expired yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, in, rea- in relation to different type of products in the kitchen, I would say uh, avoid pl- plastics. They can be harmful for our our health, but they also are very um, have a very heavy natural resource um, History in relation to the production. There's a lot of different uh, extraction and manufacturing processes that are involved in making plastics. They come from fossil fuels, so it also uh, creates greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but they also take a long time to, to decompose once you once you get rid of them. So try to stay away from plastic and find other uh, other options, especially single-use plastic. Uh, that's something that is a lot of times the easiest thing to do, but they are they have a very large impact on the environment. One, another one easy thing to do is minimize the paper towel use. Um, and then maybe if it comes to napkins, maybe try to swap for the cloth ones. It's an yep. easy way to reduce the amount of stuff that's going to the landfill.
1: Well, and I love these tips because they're all... So very doable. It's not that hard, and in fact, uh, a couple of companies that are known for their plastic kitchenware, Rubbermaid and Glad. I mean, that they're now making glass containers for storage. So you can mm-hmm. go to right. a big box store or a, a grocery store, and you can see that they ha- they're actually competing uh, with their old products instead of all the plastic. Where they have glass and maybe a plastic rubber, you know, top for it. Um, but they're even going in right. that direction, and that's a big indicator, I think. More We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more, so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%?
4: Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So happy that you all tuned in today. As I mentioned previously, our guests today are Rosalie Bird and Loren DeMates. And they have an awesome new book that you just have to get a hold of. It's called Sustainability Made Simple. It explains all the big issues that we're dealing with environmentally. It explains the human impact of all of those challenges. But most importantly, it gives pragmatic easy, cost-effective ways that each and every one of us can be part of the solution. And they tell you exactly how taking various actions in parts of our lives will actually have a positive impact. I love it. This is the book I've been waiting for. Um, Rosalie, you guys gave a lot of great tips for school and work. Talk to us about ways that individuals can save on energy use and also encourage a sustainable workplace or a sustainable campus.
2: Well, I think power strips are a key aspect to both at home when you're studying for school or at the office. Power strips are easy because you don't have to plug everything out and plugging, un- remembering to unplug devi- electronic devices is key because even when they're plugged in, they're still taking up energy, contrary to a lot of what a lot of us may think. So having a power strip and connecting everything to one power strip is easy because then you can just turn off the power strip and everything goes. Um, in, relate, in relation to other uh, sustainable workplace uh, tips, I would say cut down on the paper that you use as well, because this is something that's easy. A lot of times now everything is, is digital. So just cutting down, maybe even watching, uh, printing stuff out on both sides of the paper or printing out those PowerPoint slides four to one sheet instead of one big slide on one are just easy ways to cut down the amount of paper you use. Responsibly recycling electronics is a big one as well because we're just there's so many electronics. Uh, every few months, it seems like there's a new product, a new gadget that we might wanna we might might wanna purchase. But being able to lim- limit how m- how many new devices we are purchasing, but also recy- recycling that responsibly is is key. There are a lot of places at your workplace they might have um, a certain place where you can uh, drop off these electronics or you can check out your, your local uh, digital store to to find out where you can recycle these electronics. Lastly, I think that it's something that we really would like to encourage is talking to our colleagues and to our peers about these type of issues. It's almost taboo, it seems like, a lot of times to talk about these type of things, but it's really great to see what other people are doing, to see what the office place is doing, to see the different type of sustainability initiatives that maybe your campus is doing, and getting involved, and also maybe... Uh, comment or add some other ideas if you have some other ideas of how to strengthen these type of initiatives is that another thing to make sure that just to kind of encourage a sustainability culture at your work or on campus.
1: Absolutely, and I've talked to people over and over again in every corner of the U.S., and when they do that, when they break the ice with colleagues or fellow students, they're always thrilled to see that they're not the only ones who care about these issues, and there's a real sense of of community around sustainability that they tap into as a result of just starting the conversation, so I love that. Mm Lorraine. your chapter on sustainability at the store had some awesome tips for looking at product packaging in a new way. If you would, share some of those insights with our listeners.
3: Definitely. And packaging is tricky. It's something I definitely still struggle with as well um, because everything comes in thin plastic film. Um, It's tricky, um, but definitely doable to move away from that. Um, In general, the less packaging, the better, Um, and definitely the less plastic, the better. Um, Buying in bulk is definitely the best option when you can. Um, But we recommend, if it's not an option, um, to look for products that do use less packaging Um, and then also um, packaging that you might be able to reuse at your house. So something that comes in glass jars, you can definitely prefer that and then go ahead and use those glass jars for
1: different purposes other than to go ahead um, and use to fill up um, from the bulk bin. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are awesome tips. And I think your chapter or the the portion of your chapter that deals with that um, has even more resources. And in fact, Rosalie, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because there are two things, well, there are about a million things I love about your book, but there's two things Mm -hmm. that I um, just really respect. And that's the notes section for each chapter and the bibliography section. This book is very user-friendly. I can't underscore that enough, but it's backed by outstanding research. And I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about some of the sources that you used to ensure that your chapters were well supported by science and facts. Right. Well, this is something that we're really try to focus on,
2: not only in our book, but also in our blog, is making sure that there are these type of sources to bridge the disconnect. There's a lot of times so much great resources and research go out there, but a lot of times it's left in academia or it's left in the journals or It doesn't really get to the people. So not only is this a way to back up our own information, but also to be able to share with the information that's going on with the public and just with the average reader. Um, So a lot of our information comes from federal agencies like NOAA, NASA, as well as the EPA. They have a lot of meaningful research on climate change and on the environment, Uh, but also a lot of academic research and prestigious, prestigious science journals like nature and from lots of different universities. We, we, Find a lot of great information that is always. We always try to keep up to date to make sure that we have this information. To something that uh, an interesting study that just came out, we'll try to make sure that we incorporate it into our work, and that's what we did with with our writing in the book. Um, we also reach out to a lot of different nonprofits that might be doing. Uh, and have been doing these type, this work for a long time, and they have a lot of local information and sources because they're they're closer to the people and to the to the issues a lot of the time. So they have a lot of interesting material too to use, um, as well as multilateral organizations like the UN, U, uh, UN Environment, FAO, which obviously the information is a little more on the global scale, but also gives us that global aspect of these issues that we experience and that we are impacted by every day.
1: Absolutely. And what I think, you know, when I, as I was reading the book, I kept thinking, this book is the perfect entry point for people who are complete novices, you know, maybe they want to learn more about sustainability, or, you know, maybe they are, you know, older students, and they're, they're or just graduating from college, and they want to do things differently, they want to get involved. They don't really know where to start. This book is such a gentle, kind, accepting you know, outline of how to enter into the movement, but then it becomes this portal to all this great information that if there's some particular piece of the book or some particular chapter that really speaks to a reader, then you have all of these notes and this tremendous bibliography so that your readers can dive more deeply into it. And I love that. I just Mm -hmm. think it's great. You know, Lauren, a lot of our, uh, Lauren, I'm sorry, a lot of our listeners travel for business and for pleasure. And I'd just love for you to give us a few tips for sustainable travel. Sure. Um,
3: A lot of the tips that we walk through um, throughout the book and discuss here today can and and should be applied when traveling as well. Um, But specifically, I'd mention um, but traveling is a great opportunity to support locally owned and sustainable businesses. And then also, it's relatively easy to bring your own shampoo, soap, etc. Um, it's a great opportunity um, to not use and have to dispose of all those little plastic bottles at hotels. And then also using more natural products, um, particularly non-toxic sunscreen, um, to protect coral reefs. Um, Is an important one, especially traveling in tropical
1: places. That's perfect. Uh, You know what? You guys are amazing. And I want everybody to check out your book, Sustainability Made Simple. Uh, I'm so sorry. I wish we had a whole more, another hour to go on. But you guys did a great job, and I I loved this interview. You know, folks, we're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.